listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from Megawind Kill Guard Studios. Aaron is frigid across the country. Seems like last week or so been a little warmer here in South Texas, but I know you've been dealing with some cold, like a lot of folks all across the United States. Thankfully, Aaron, we've got another episode of Bass Edge Radio they can tune into. Episode 369, excited for this February 1st edition, Aaron. Yes, me too. Uh, you are correct. It has been somewhat of a roller coaster on the uh, mercury in the thermometer. One day we'll have, you know, it's nice and sunny and in the high 40s, and uh, today as we speak, it's like 17. So, yeah, it's been fun. But as always, Kurt, as you mentioned, all 369 episodes, our friends at MegaWare Keelguard, you know, I talked to Tori the other day and they are just slammed, which is great. But they're having a lot of fun getting all the all the new products out. And certainly everybody can follow those. First, do-it-yourself keel protector, the flex step, the skate guard, right? All of those things that every boat owner, personal watercraft owner needs. And all that can be found on keelguard.com. Kurt, it's been pretty interesting because, you know, ever since we started with the uh, free money through Midway USA and of course find all things fishing really all things outdoors uh, seems that our questions have went through the roof they have you know we've always had you know several good listener questions but the quality influx now people taking some time really thinking about what they want to learn in bass fishing which is super cool because now we can really press our featured anglers to uh, answer some of those cool questions and uh, as always if your question is chosen to be on the show you're gonna get that midway usa gift certificate nowadays so uh very valuable aaron very yeah valuable. It's, it's almost like we've created a competition within a competition here you know with uh, yeah, everybody, exactly. everybody trying to get their question chosen and, and certainly we appreciate not only the quantity but the quality as you mentioned and speaking of competition kurt i want to throw two things at you and get your opinion on and uh first one is Pro season's off and running, and you're not there. Uh, like to get your thoughts right, and feelings right. on that. And secondly, 36 pounds in the college series. So ready, set, go. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Let's hit up the Harris chain because it's been getting pounded. Had a MLF college series there, then a Bassmaster college series, a little high school tournaments. All Florida gets hammered this time of year, though, right, Aaron? I mean, it's it's the time of year to be fishing For in Florida. Sure. You need a pitch axe to fish in some of the lakes up north. But yeah, bro. Uh, Brothers, Matt and I think it's Laf, Leif, L-A-F-E, uh, Messer, came in with 36 pounds, 7 ounce, 5 bass limit on the Harris chain. Brother, that's some heads right there. <laughs> that is, that's that's some donkeys. That is some heads. I think they set the record for the new two-day total in uh, the Bassmaster College Series, uh, you know, right around 60 and change. But that day two, 36 pounds, 7 ounces, that's just, uh, that's one for the ages right there. And then, um, as you mentioned, Aaron, Rayburn just completed the Pro Circuit event, first uh, national tour, I guess you would say, of the year. I was not there. I'm, I've changed plateaus. I think we, we talked about that in an episode last fall, you know, going to fish the uh, central and northern opens this year. But uh, Aaron, kind of refreshing. Although I love MLF, like the pro circuit. Um, I'm excited for the change this year. And uh, it was fun to watch from 
my new perspective now watching the pro circuit. They had some great coverage there with MLF. So anyway, I digress in the point of it didn't really upset me. I'm, I'm excited for well, this. Well, and, and like we talked about the last yeah. time, you know, you're actually going to get more fishing time yeah. on the water, which that's kind of what it's about. The competitive level is certainly still there within the opens, trying to compete for those spots and kind of the, the divisions that you're fishing. So anyway, hats off to you for, yeah, for kind excited. of, you know, pursuing that. Absolutely. As we've talked about several times, you know, in the first uh, month of the shows in the January 1 and January 15 episode, uh, we're doing this new deal where we have these uh, special guests for our second segment of the show. And uh, this time we, we've got another cool special guest. We're going to start talking about kind of a new trend that's going on, Aaron. A lot of the pros putting two live sonar transducers on the front of their boat. We're going to bring in one of the masters of the marine industry specifically in accessories and electronics of Russell Marine products, Justin Russell. So y'all stay tuned. We're going to go to a SegB with Justin Russell talking about, you know, this new trend of dual live sonars on the front of your boat. But before we get there, as always, we've got a great tackle tip brought to us by protecttheharvest.com. This episode's ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with Oak Outdoors Fishing Angler, Jeff Epley. Yes, uh, this time of the year, jerk baiting is a pretty important piece of the arsenal whenever you're out bass fishing. My preference is in creek channels, secondary points with isolated cedars with a little bit of deep water near. You know, I like to fish a deeper running stick bait, you know, one that will get down there 8 to 10 feet. And I prefer a sunny day. I like the sun out, it's a little bit of breeze, it seems to warm the wood and the, and the bass will move up in them trees. And, and if you just stick with it, the bite that you get will be very worth the reward, you know, worth the wait. They are very good, very aggressive bites at times, but you will catch some of the biggest fish all year long that time of the year. Great tip, Jeff. Appreciate it. Brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Live Well, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Aaron, as we mentioned in the uh, earlier segment of the show, we're bringing in the brain trust or at least one of the brain trusts of electronics and accessories world um, in the bass fishing market anyway. Justin Russell from Russell Marine Products there in El Dorado, Kansas. Uh, Today, we're going to be breaking down live sonar mounting accessories. Thanks for being with us on Bass Edge again, Justin. 
You bet. Always glad to be a part of this. Thank you for having me. Justin, it uh, seems the big trend for professional anglers moving into 2022, um, you know, before I even say this, it's, it, I, I'm sure you agree and you like it, right? Because it helps your business of what you guys do. But at what point does, uh, I guess, this technology trend stop? But now we're getting into mounting dual live sonar transducers to their boats. Have you seen these type of requests, I guess, coming into the Russell Marine product shop frequently since last fall? You know, we've, in the past six months, I've had more elite series and tour level anglers really being more curious about it as to how it can benefit them. You know, I I look at this as like, how can people or these anglers get kind of this leading edge or maybe an edge in their competition? Kind of along the lines of, you know, maybe Optifo and having a tunnel hole boat previously in the past and, and other things. But the technology is always going to be advancing with this stuff. You know, I mean, we've seen it literally from the start. And to see these guys wanting to request this stuff and understanding the technology aspect of it, we're learning how much more the technology is becoming more and more important on a lot of these tournament anglers, these wins and stuff like that, that these guys are going through. And it's incredible technology, but to truly answer your question, more requests than ever. Um, we had very early on questions, maybe two or three years ago, but it was a I don't want that much technology on my boat or I don't want that much stuff on my trolling motor or I don't want to run that much power with a single battery. But it's definitely changing a lot this fall. And we're absolutely seeing more and more of it going on early on this spring, especially wild stuff. So the key here, just to break it down for the listeners, why an angler is going to want potentially two live sonars at the bow of their boat reason for that obviously if you've got which is the kind of what i would call traditional mounting of the live sonar technology it's either going to be you know just off the head of the trolling motor or on the trolling motor shaft and when the motor you know the spot lock is being used and and you're you know fanning around you can be steering the motor and not facing your live sonar where you really would like to see what's going on in a particular direction of the boat and it's really mandated by where you're steering or if you have to be steering is where you can kind of face that uh, transducer. Now anglers looking to have a second live transducer essentially on a second mount similar to maybe like a, a Hummingbird 360 style mount. They will have a mount on the side of their trolling motor that will have a second live transducer so that even though if they're steering with the trolling motor – They can face that second live transducer exactly where they want, whether it's on a brush pile, a bank, uh, suspended fish, and they can keep in contact with those fish more readily than having to worry about where they're actually driving their boat with their trolling motor. So that's kind of where this is coming from. Justin, I've seen several folks working to make this accessory viable for consumers. I've seen uh, All Aboard Marine has a product. You've got Right Height, probably the first kind of you know, homegrown manufacturing unit that came out a couple years ago with a product they call the turret. And now you've got True Scan Technology has a unit out there that's called Live Scanner. So have you seen kind of these different alternatives and what are your thoughts about these particular products on the market? Well, there's two different ways 
anglers are utilizing having two live transducers on their boat. So we see anglers like you just kind of talked about that have one mounted on the shaft or head of the trolling motor. And then we see another transducer mounted on a turret system, independent pole mount system, something that can be controlled, whether manually by a hand or remote control or foot pedal on a lot of cases. Or now we're seeing some anglers as well, too, mounting two transducers to a single pole mount or two transducers to the trolling motor. And so one could be operating like a perspective mode, which is more of a horizontal scanning feature, which is similar to 360, but maybe, you know, 180 degrees or 90 degrees, or actually I think it's 135 degrees horizontally, right. um, which is great for structure, great for finding shad fish moving, creek channels, drains, if you're in South Texas, where you guys are from, and right. you still have your vertical mounted most of the time in forward mode transducer for, I call it head hunting. And it's literally following and casting to individual fish or individual school of fish. And seeing the separation as well, when you were talking about having two separate pole mounts or a pole mount and transducer mounted on the shaft of your trolling motor you've got two immediate options very very quickly and when you're on spot lock mode being able to operate the transducer as you've said operating independently of course aiming it at fish or a brush pile or piece of structure and being able to be on that spot lock and focusing on what they're doing not have to worry about the wind or current or you know just holding the boat in position is really really key in my opinion really post spawn going into summer type stuff more this spring a lot of guys are using two on the trolling motor itself for finding those creek channels drains head hunting individual fish along the lines of i think it was patrick walters we watched really dominate lake fork last year chasing fish down in standing timber using live imaging. I mean, he was literally was following fish for hundreds of yards in these flooded timber fields and catching them and quite successfully, you know, all that. <laughs> yeah, <So, yes. laughs> you know, you've got two separate scenarios for two different things. Each one has its own place, definitely. And as I told you guys in the past and some other interviews I've been with you guys, you really kind of need to know how your style of fishing is and what is the strength of that and what you're really going for with how you decide to mount this this technology and stuff. I'm sure you guys are very familiar with Josh Jones. I've known him for a couple of years now. Great guy. Yep. And he runs always on the head of the trolling motor. He doesn't want any sort of independent mount. And he is head hunting fish. He is looking for a specific size range fish and casting to specific fish. And it's been very, very successful for him. But he's got a lot of time and a lot of hours on the water just looking around and doing that. Real quickly, I think talking about where the mounting is for some of these units, you know, I think originally when the first, you know, live transducers came out, you look at the price tag and the cost and, and the availability of them, you know, all, all these things considered that uh, if you put it on the head of the trolling motor, once you got up inside of some cover, you were thinking, oh, man, I could just beat this thing right off the head of my trolling motor next stump I hit it's it's going to be left with the stump and not with me or something like that and then that's why I think a lot of people were more apt to put it on the shaft now it seems like the head of the trolling motor 
is becoming more and more popular just because it's less obtrusive on the shaft, especially if you get into grass fishing and you're getting in and out of, you know, grass and, and it hangs up a little bit more. Whereas if it's on the head, it seems like it just becomes more of a piece of the troll motor head rather than just this uh, separate piece of equipment and accessory hanging off the shaft of the trolling motor. I also wonder how that's going to play when you come in with these, you know, the right height and the true scan technology or the all aboard Marine. I mean, you, you go from fishing drains to actually maybe flipping grass or getting in some heavier cover. That's a lot of stuff banging around up there, right? Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Hey, Justin, I'm, you know, the three of us have had this conversation before as, as we're all more or less sensitive to cost of, of our sport. And sure. You know, when I kind of look at people that might be just getting into it or, or looking to get into the sport or, or trying to catch, right, just a few more fish than what they did last year, do you feel the need for your weekend angler to pursue this method? And what advantages are, are you seeing from these types of systems? You know, that's a great question. Um, everybody always has a budget in mind when they're looking at new technology, whether it's new boats, new equipment, new electronics, rods and reels. And I think a lot of weekend anglers need to keep in mind what they're seeing with some of these pro anglers. And we all have read the comments on Facebook or social media about some of the costs associated with this stuff and seen some comments. And keep in mind what these guys are doing. This is their job. This is how they make their money. So any sort of competitive advantage they're going to be able to try to get over one or the other within reason. I mean, obviously, BAS has created rules with tunnel holes now not being allowed to be used or, you know, you start a season with a boat, you finish the season with that boat and stuff to try to make it as, I'm going to say, level as possible. Right. But from a perspective of live imaging directly, um, from my experience, oh my gosh, um, I traditionally did not really grow up crappie fishing very much. And I always tell every customer that comes in with us, if you don't have a lot of experience with live imaging and you really want to utilize it to go bass fishing, go crappie fishing the first couple months that you have it. Like I, my dad included in this, when you're able to take that technology and do that, like it's really, really fun. Like we have people I've, I can't believe I waited so long to get, you know, active target or live scope or live imaging. I've caught more fish doing this. For me, I enjoy catching fish, but the biggest benefit I get from this technology is watching the fish behavior and react to lures. From a perspective of you throw in a lure and you watch two or three big blobs move out of a brush pile, move away from your lure. They either don't like the lure or don't like the color. Or vice versa, if you throw down in there and they come out of the brush pile and all nose down and literally go and attack your lure, you've got the right lure combination, <laughs> the right color combination, and it can truly help you be more efficient on the water. Now, you can waste a whole lot of time watching fish and get very, very disgruntled with it, too. Don't get me wrong. Just because you mount the stuff or buy the stuff doesn't guarantee the fact that you're obviously going to catch more fish, but it can sure help for sure. You know, and to truly answer your question to the weekend angler, it kind of comes down to how you fish, what matters to you, and can the cost be worth it? Yeah, but it can also not be worth it if you're not willing to learn the technology as well, too. We have people that buy the technology from us and a couple months later say, hey, you know, I'd like to trade this stuff in for another graph or a different graph. This just isn't for me. And then we have other people that say, my gosh, I can't believe I waited two years to get this stuff. This is awesome. I've, you know, I've had more fun with my kids and going out, caught more and bigger fish. 
I mean, it has changed the way that people fish and approach fishing in a lot of cases. That's cool feedback from not not many people get to see that type of feedback, especially, a, you know, people in your position obviously do because you deal with so many different consumers and and uh, how they react to or accept maybe, you know, this new technology. I think the biggest key takeaway for me from what we said in this interview outside of, you know, kind of understanding this new trend is you have to be willing to learn the technology. percent Biggest takeaway for sure for any consumer out there or anybody interested in, you know, is this for me? You got to be really wanting to have the passion to run this stuff, I feel like, in order to make it worth the dollars because it, it is not very cheap. But uh, let me ask you this finally, Justin, before we let you go, this accessory with running a second a live transducer on the on the bow of these rigs. Do you feel like the manufacturers, the Lawrences, Humminbirds, Garmin's, do you think that they're going to get involved in providing this accessory from a manufacturer standpoint at some level? Or, or do you feel like this is going to be an anomaly just for some, I don't know what the right word is, but these kind of uh, smaller businesses to develop this product as it moves forward? You know, I don't really know. I can't speak for the manufacturer's take. I will say that most of the time our manufacturers are concerned with producing better technology, whether that's side imaging, down imaging, trolling motors, live imaging. But we've seen a lot of trends come from pros. You know, it was very uncommon, you know, 15 years ago to have a boat with three graphs on it. And now in a lot of cases, we're seeing three graphs on the bows of a lot of these boats. <laughs> so it's so true. It's, it's kind of crazy how it's evolved with pro fishing and, you know, people wanting to be like pros or have the equipment that pros have. I don't see it unless there was a way, in my opinion, I think if somebody could develop a way that you could have an independent pull mount that could follow the head of a trolling motor or disengage at somehow, whether that's a band system, like a rubber band system around the shafts of the trolling motor and it, but you need to have a way that it could follow the head of the trolling motor to a T or operate completely independently. I think if somebody is able to figure that out very cost effectively and easy to install and operate, I think that would be a home run. But as of right now, I don't see any of the manufacturers really trying to focus too much on an independent mount at this time. I right. think you're going to see, you know, more trolling motor offerings from Lawrence and Garmin, probably. Um, I think you're going to see more sonar options and maybe some more refinement of some live technology, make it better. You guys have to remember, we've had live scope now for three and a half to four years. So it's kind of due for an upgrade. I mean, I don't know what they could bring out next, truth be told, but yeah, right, right. I'm always amazed. There's always something coming down the line that's even better, you know? Right. Well, Justin, thank you so much for being on uh, another episode of Bass Edge Radio and, and kind of bringing Russell Marine products to, uh, you know, expose what is going on out there from an accessory standpoint, particularly uh, in this, this uh, segment with two live transducers on the front of boats kind of the new trend for 2022 make sure you check out russellmarineproducts.com call justin he's always available his his, uh, his group over there uh helps so many anglers become better with uh accessories on your boats and electronics in general so justin thanks again for being on this episode of bass edge radio any final thoughts for the listeners out there you know like we've already kind of talked about on this episode and the ones prior you're really doing yourself 
yourself a disservice to buying this equipment and not dedicating some sort of time to truly trying to understand what it is. It's like anything else. If you're willing to make the time investment and the education investment to truly learn it, it can absolutely do wonders with fishing. Um, With COVID, you know, we've had so many more people get exposed to the outdoors and fishing, which is an absolute fantastic thing. So it's, it's really, even in my own personal fishing, man, it's really made it fun to go out and just catch a mess of crappie or catfish or, you know, and then apply those skills to tournament bass fishing as well. So definitely something to be checking out for 2022 if you guys haven't already. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely do that. We'll be right back with more Bass Edge Radio coming up. We've got the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Stay tuned. This is MLF Pro Circuit Angler, Kyle Gillis. I'm Pro Angler, Bill McDonald. This is MLF BPT Pro, Jacob Wheeler. This is MLF Pro Circuit Angler, Kyle Cordiano. I am Pro Angler, Cole Floyd. Stay tuned for more Bass Edge Radio. Know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Aaron, we got our first rookie in the house for 2022. Or maybe I should call him a freshman. Willing to bet he's fished more national and regional bass events in the past few years than any other angler on the planet, man. That is no joke. He will begin a new term adventure on the MLF Bass Pro Tour this month. Excited to dive into all things going on with professional angler Dakota Ebear. Dakota, appreciate you being with us on Bass Edge Radio. Hey, guys. Thank you all for having me, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, Dakota. Welcome to the show. You know, like Kurt had mentioned, I was uh, looking through your stats and quite honestly, I don't think they're going to coincide perhaps with our, I guess, name tag of, of being a freshman, but you know, just how much <laughs> you fish the multi-day regional and national events in 2019. And, and please jump in here and correct me if I'm wrong on any of these, but uh, I counted 22 events, 2020, I counted 24 events. And then it looks like you kind of went part-time and uh, scaled it back to 17 events after that. But that is an amazing amount of experience you have gained over the past three years through fishing all of those tournaments and having consistent success. Uh, what are your biggest, I guess, personal takeaways through that process? I don't mean to get, you know, kind of weird about it, but my personal, like, takeaway from that, the best thing, I, just the relationships that I've made, like the people that I've met, man, it's just been amazing amazing experience and i could be more thankful for that uh you know it's just been awesome this is a totally less field but man like you you know you hear so much negativity and stuff on news and everything else man and i've had so much fun being able to travel all over the country and meet some really awesome people on the way and it's uh it's it's really been awesome but uh you know as far as on the fishing side of things man you just can't replace time on the water and time on the water in an event and, uh, you know, that's, that's my biggest thing to me, you know, 
I was taught at a young age to work hard at whatever it is I do, you know, just like we all were, you know, and my parents worked really hard to have what they had. And, and, and so that was kind of just the way I was raised, you know, and, and I look at fishing as a job as much as I love it. Um, I, this is what I want to do for a career. And so, you know, the idea behind fishing all those events was just work as hard as I can. And, and, uh, coming from a little bit of a rodeo background, you know, you go to a lot of rodeos, you know, you work hard, you go, we'll go somewhere every weekend. And I kind of took that approach to fishing. Wild horses and, uh, keep you know, dragging you away, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right, man. I, I love traveling. I love being on the road. So it all kind of works out, man. Well, Dakota, through all that process, man, you qualified this past season. Kind of my reference to opening this thing is, you know, obviously I don't think there's any rookies on the Bass Pro Tour. Uh, obviously, this is the first year new anglers have, have essentially qualified. Um, I guess you had, you know, John Cox came in, fished the Bass Pro Tour last year. It was the first year they had somebody different uh, start fishing those events since the uh, tour was even developed. So this year you got you got several of, of you guys that came from the pro circuit that qualified for the MLS. Bass Pro Tour. Man, what does this step into a new tour mean to you from a competition standpoint? And I'll back that question up if you could follow it up with what are you most looking forward to as you tackle the Bass Pro Tour and Pro Circuit events this year? Yeah, man. So like from a competition you know, perspective, I'll say that I always want to fish against the best, I and mean, we all do, you know, because when you fish against the best, it makes you better. You know, I mean, whenever you, we take off on that for the first day of that tournament, you know, I'm going to get to line up against legends of the sport, and I'm so excited about that. To have the opportunity to fish, you know, on a tour against Kevin and, you know, and Thrift and just all these guys, man, I mean, that that's going to make me better in itself right there, you know, and uh, just something that I, I'm, I'm really excited about. But I, I'll say this, too, though. For me, and some people may not agree, but I feel like, man, it's hard to compete in the BFL. You know, I mean, you fish yeah, a, a, yes. a, a BFL, man, you know, or, or the local jackpot against, uh, you know, the, the guys that fish on the lake every, every afternoon and stuff like that, man. To me, like, it's kind of, it don't matter really what you're fishing. You're against the elements, you know, and it's like, yeah, stack field makes it to where you know you better dang sure catch them too that much more right but i think there's a lot more of a mental side of that like you can't let that like negatively affect you right you know knowing that they're going to catch them too you know what i'm saying but uh but we all have tough days in the water and i feel like man like going to all those toyota series events to me that's probably one of the toughest tournaments to compete in it's like a toyota series or an open level event because you have the best elite guys you got quite a few bbt guys you got quite a few pro circuit guys you got the best local guys you got the best regional guys i mean those events are stacked and they are hard to compete in so um you know i really feel like that's kind of you know prepared me hopefully for, for uh the transition to the bpt and um you know i'm just gonna go out and go fishing man and, and uh, know that i get to fish against some of the legends of the sport man and, and enjoy the heck out of it in the process i can just hear it in your voice man you're you're fired up about it, excited about the whole process I mean, you know obviously the competition standpoint is also a little bit different which we didn't even get to that process of it but i can just hear it in your voice this is awesome i'm, I'm excited for you dakota well i appreciate that man yeah absolutely and and I'm, I'm excited for the, you know, maybe the format too, you know, just something new, something a little fresh, you know. I mean, we fished the Pro Circuit title uh, event on, you know, Sturgeon Bay two years ago in right. that format. And, and I really enjoyed it. So uh, it was new, it was different. Um, I wasn't really sure that I was going to like it. I kind of maybe almost wasn't even a fan of that at the time. <laughs> right. Be- before I fished that event, 
you know, I wasn't really sure about how I felt as an angler about the format. And uh, really actually enjoyed it. Uh, it was actually really cool. I mean, it's a whole different, you know, aspect of like strategy and stuff. And that's what drives me. And I think a lot of us for fishing is the competition behind it. You know, I mean, and especially tournament fishing, I would say like, you know, I mean, it's, it's all about putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And, and this format puts a few more pieces in the puzzle, <laughs> you know, yeah. so uh, it'll be cool, man. It really will. Yeah. I think, I think the thing you hear mostly is uh, intensity levels just ratcheted up completely in those style events. I know it was for me when I did the select events many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's adrenaline rush, totally different than a five fish format deal. So it's, it's, right. it's cool. Dakota, I know you want to get off to, you know, a, a strong start in both MLF uh, series. You mentioned earlier as far as talking about the elements, and this has been, you know, off uh, recording, I guess, before the interview started. We were kind of talking about uh, these weird weather patterns uh, that, we, that we've had kind of in 2021 leading into 2022. And, you know, we've had some really strong weather fronts the past couple of weeks. Will this play to your strengths, and, and how do you anticipate attacking that first BPT event on multiple lakes of Caney Creek, Lake D'Arbonne, and, you know, Boosie Break there near West Monroe, Louisiana. Yeah, that's um, kind of an interesting deal, the way they're going to different lakes like that. I guess it's maybe not as far-fetched a, a majorly fishing event as it would be for a t- t- traditional five-fish tournament. I mean, I know that they kind of done some stuff like that. But for the sake of it, you know, the deal, like, again, here we go. This is where all those Toyota series and all those events come into play, right? Because there were so many times where I was fishing in the Velen Okeechobee, and then I, I, you know, maybe didn't do good, or maybe I did do really good. And I, I remember one year, I, I don't know, I think I finished 11th, as usual, uh, in those. I finished 11th, I think, at Okeechobee, and I had to get in the truck and haul butt to a Toyota series on uh, Chickamauga, I think it was. So going from one extreme to the other, right? I mean, from Okeechobee to there, man, you have to be fishing on the fly and adjusting to different conditions and elements and all that. Like, you know, so that's taught me, it's helped me, I think, be prepared for situations like this where, you know, you got crazy weather, you know, or this event here where we're going from lake to lake to lake. It's kind of the same. You know, for me. Yeah, it makes sense. It's essentially what you're saying is through all the experiences that you have had over the last three years, you dealt with these different uh, fluxes of, of weather from even just a week to week basis and and fishing two tournaments in it. So so you feel like you're prepared right. to go into an event. It's not scaring you. It doesn't deter your thought process from a mental standpoint. It doesn't get you down. You just know it's a, another place to go. What you got to do to catch the next bass will be what your focus is rather than all the other things around you, which which I think is really, it, really it, important. Yeah, exactly, man. It, it's, uh, you know, the more events you fish, the more adversity you face and the better you get at dealing with it, right? And fishing that amount of events really teaches you to keep it simple, right? To not overcomplicate things, right? It's a bass, no matter if he's at Okeechobee or if he is at Champlain or if he's at Gunnersville, like he's a bass, right? And he, he relates to the environment a little bit differently, but he's the same it's the same thing. It really is. And I know like some people probably like, man, it's not, I don't know about all that. But, you know, that's just what I tell myself whenever I'm going from place to place and, and trying to keep it simple, right? Like, let's not make this too complicated. Let's take white-tailed deer, for example. We make deer so smart. We all know this, right? We're right all deer. <laughs> right. Right we make deer so smart. And they are in their own way. But, golly, they're not out there like with a smartphone in their hand. <laughs> you know, right, the right. Dude, they're just out there. They're just out there, you know, like 
environment trying not to get eight, okay? You know, and trying to find a few eggs later. Man, so, and, and, uh, so we can make things real complicated, you know, and uh, I think it's really important to try not to do that. You know, so uh, the format there is going to be a pretty tough place. You know, I went and pre-fished there. I don't know if there'll be a lot of numbers caught, but I, I did see one really big one, like rolling my bait while I was practicing. I'm like, oh, at least a couple right. chrome ones here, you know. Right, right. But, um, and that was important. That was kind of cool, like, to at least get that. Because, man, I mean, I didn't get a lot of bites at all. And I don't think a lot of guys did, you know. But the cool thing is, if you get through that one, it's Caney. And Caney's you know, a phenomenal fishery. I've actually never been on it, but I mean, I have friends that have like, they guide there and uh, Tyler Stewart, you know, he fished on the pro circuit yep. as well, went to college, yep. fished against each other. Tyler's a guide there, you know, and for years I've heard, you know, him talk about how great it is. I've seen all his, you know, guide picks and all that stuff. I've never asked him a question about the lake. Like, I, I don't even <laughs> right. know. It's not somewhere I thought we'd ever really go for a tournament. I, so like, other than maybe hearing him say, man, I had a guy client catch a 10-pounder on 10XT. I don't know. You know, like, I I never really got any information about it, but I know that it's loaded with it. So I didn't go there. I didn't have a, a whole lot of time to go and pre-fish there, but uh, I know that it's full of them. It's a very small lake, so it's something that, you know, I mean, we got four hours of practice. I think you can probably idle around most of the thing in four hours, you know. So I didn't go there because, I mean, the most important thing for me was to spend the time I had on Darbone so I could get to that point, you know. Right. Well, Dakota, let's talk uh, before we go to break. Let, let's break down. You talk about keeping things simple, kind of getting into your angler identity a little bit. You know, we all have different ways that we like to approach things, different times of year, strengths, you know, things that we lean on, you know, dealing with, you know, kind of this midwinter seasonal behavior pattern that we've just typical right here in February. Mm. Um, when you're approaching a lake this time of year, what are your first thoughts to techniques and types of patterns you're going to look to try to reveal first? I'm going to, uh, you know, take water temperature, you know, in a, in a consideration quite a bit. And then I'm going to take in the type of fishery as well. So, you know, that's something that I've kind of you know, here I am saying like a bass of bass, but man, like, you know, you go on Tennessee River and places like that, man, and like the colder it gets, the shallower they get, right? I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? It's just a, am I fishing a river type situation or am I fishing more of a lake reservoir type situation? Because I think those fish relate differently. Like they're right. just, they relate to that environment, the current, the warm water, the, it's just different, right? Um, it could be a highland impoundment versus a lowland impoundment. You know, right. they're going to do something right. different on a lake like, Lake of the Ozarks or Table Rock or Amistad, you know, some highland impoundment versus what they're doing, you know, in the swamp at Raber. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, man, for sure. So that's probably one of the main things I take into consideration, you know. Um, so, you know, the water temperature and then and then what kind of covers they're available, their grass, you know, or fish looking for rocks, you know, the rocks on heat, I want to scrub down them, or, you know, stuff like that. Uh, just just real simple like current conditions what what the body of the water has to offer for the fish and 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 then you know just go from there gotcha makes sense man that sounds pretty simple to me i like it i think well that's probably one of the most important things is understanding the fishery that you're you're on or you're getting ready to be on because that's gonna you know play into a lot of those seasonal behavior patterns and and how fish react you know based on the covering structure that's available to them in a particular environment so makes perfect sense yeah real quick we gotta we gotta hit a 
a quick break, but we're going to talk some more about this in a minute. We're going to power pole down here for a moment. Stay right there. We're going to dig deeper into Dakota's fish and mine right after this short break. Bass Edge Radio will be right back. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Power Pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Power Pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power Pole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge is presented in part by Mercury Marine. Go boldly. Returning with MLF BPT Angler Dakota Abair in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. All right, Dakota, just as I mentioned before the break, we're going to dive right back into some fishing education. Talked about those chilly days, blast of cold fronts experiencing. You talked about keeping it simple and uh, understanding the environment that essentially you're fishing and what type of lake that you're fishing what do you like to change up you know you're out there for a couple days you know you see maybe a warm weather spell that starts to occur you know as we typically see in the south you know you're going to get a few days of warm weather then maybe a a week of chill and then some more warm-up days what are you going to change up what are you going to look for differently when you get kind of those warm weather spells in the in the winter and, you know, we're all looking forward to the spawn. You know, it's like we're always looking forward to the next season, right? But, I mean, you got to shoot in front of the target. You know, you got to leave the target. You can't shoot at it, you know, if it's moving. So, and bass are always moving. So, that's what I'm looking for is where they're going to go next, you know. And so, uh, if we got a warming trend coming like that, I mean, it just depends. Like, how much is it actually going to affect the water temperature? I think that's something that we got to, you know, really understand like a lot of times like let's say we get a lot of really cold weather and then all of a sudden we get a warm day well i mean it's great for us but if the water doesn't warm up it really doesn't affect them as much right and so just because we're warmer doesn't mean they are so that's something to take into consideration but i'm just always looking at where i think they might be going next and so that's really you know the way that i approach that situation with that warming trend and maybe the cold trend coming you know things like that yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I guess keeping an open mind, right, Dakota, is, is so important as we try and track down these fish day to day and kind of where they're going. But how will you determine to change kind of a preconceived, perhaps, focus from the beginning of the day? And how big of a change will you make in a day on the water? Man, I, you know, changing that is tough. You know, that's something I think we really struggle with as anglers, right? Because, you know, you got a preconceived notion, man. I caught him over here in a red rattle trap, you know, like back in 2016, and I'm banging like 24 pounds off this old drain. And he's like, your preconceived notion, <laughs> when I get back there, I'm going to that spot. Like, I'm going to catch him there again, you know? And especially the place like here at Rayburn, it, this place is so volatile. It changes so much, you know what I mean? It's really just. Like, people always want waypoints in this now. Like, man, like, I got 5,000 waypoints in there, name, but about three of them, they're good. Because this place changes so much. It ain't like a boulder on Champlain. That Champlain boulder ain't going nowhere. This grass on Rayburn, give it a few weeks, it'll go somewhere. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know like, it's either one day and gone the next. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's just, it's always changing, man. You just got to kind of stay with it and keep going with it, you know? Makes sense. Dakota, I'm going to get into the mental side here for a minute. What do you personally try to keep in check? to be successful in tournament bass fishing, you know, whether it's a lost fish, 
you got a lot of obstacles, right? I mean, maybe your hands are cold. You know, you're, you're freezing right. to death out there. A lot of different things. Um, you know, maybe, uh, well, I mentioned a lost fish. Uh, maybe you go through a couple bad tournament stretches. What is it that you personally just try to keep in check to continue to be successful at tournament bass fishing? I think it's all about perspective, right? I mean, and how you take things. Because bad things are going to happen and good things are going to happen. you got to figure out some way to just keep it in the middle. And it's all about perspective, right? I mean, like, you know, there's so much adversity out there doing this, and there's uh, uncontrollable variables and stuff. I mean, dude, you know, you're going to lose a certain amount of fish, right? Like, you, like they're just going to come off. Like, you can do everything right, and you're still going to lose a few fish. So for me to keep myself mentally where I need to, like, it's not trying to get too worked up over the negative things and not trying to get too high on the good things that happen, right? And just keep on working, keep on working, man. And it's like, you know, just keeping that positive mentality, just saying, hey, look, if I do my part, you know, the rest is going to fall into place. I think that's just the most important thing, you know, and, and keeping everything in the perspective, right? Like, riding the highs and lows, you know, and that's the, because there's a lot of it in fishing, man. There's a lot of it. You know, we've all experienced it in the times that we've just tournaments and stuff. And, and uh, you know, I've definitely had my share of adversity in the last three years, and it just makes you better. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Dakota, I'm sure you've had this question several times, but, you know, from my perspective, I obviously I don't spend near as much time on the water as what uh, yourself and, and Kurt does. But, you know, if, if, if you were to kind of look from your perspective, an angler that spends as much time on the water that uh, you do and, and Kurt does, um, for 2022, what would you, I guess, narrow down the most necessary, whether it's a piece of equipment, a lure, whatever it might be, that you absolutely have to have to be successful uh, for 2022? I think, you know, whenever you spend that much time on the water, man, it becomes kind of like second nature to you. Like, it, and it, I think it has to be, like, for me, you know, like, and I say that, you know, I, I travel, I'm traveling this year on the, at the BPT with, you know, Cole Floyd, and I love Cole to death, man. Cole is a phenomenal fisherman. I look at Cole as like kind of a John Cox type of guy, man, where they just like, Show up, happy go lucky, just I don't know, I go out there and just like <laughs> Cole's been like hunting deer sheds, man, in Ohio for like every day. Like ain't even thought about bass fishing, man. And I'm sure he has. I'm just kidding, but Cole's been hunting deer sheds in Ohio and things frozen, like, you know, whatever. And like he's gonna show up here at Rayburn, man. Probably hadn't met a cast in about, I don't know, three months, you know. And I now he comes down and pre fish, so it's been a while. But you know, he's a just a natural guy, he just shows up and he just catches them man and like i feel like i gotta be on the water every day to have that like six cents pipe deal where i'm just like in tune with what's going on but you have guys that are just naturally just in like they're just good outdoorsmen i mean it's not even just about fishing like most fishermen are really good hunters too and i think that like spending that much time on the water i think that is the most important thing to me to like be in that just zone i think it's the most the best asset the best tool that i have rather than a piece of equipment or something else. It's like just spending that much time on the water just makes you kind of want what's going on. And I think that is a really, really, really important tool or asset to have going forward into any event, you know, especially, you know, this high level of competition. Yeah, man, that's a great perspective, actually. I, I would have never guessed that would be the answer to that question, but uh, that was uh, very insightful. What are you, uh, Dakota? I know, obviously, you're fishing the uh, MLF Pro Circuit in 2022. You've got the uh, MLF Bass Pro Tour on your schedule for 2022. Is there anything else that you're adding to those, or are you just going to concentrate on those 
What is, I think, uh, 13 events there? Well, I, I'll probably uh, end up going to a couple of Toyota Series. I mean, I, I really want to fish a division and, and, and make the championship because, you know, it's on Gunnersville. It's in the fall. It's been a great event. The Toyota Series right. Championship right. Has, has been great to me the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, it's just an awesome opportunity to go fish that championship for a lot of money. But in order to do that, I would have to try to qualify through the wildcard division because I can't fit a full schedule of um, Toyota Series. Right. Toyota Series event. Yeah. So uh, I'd have to qualify through the wild card. So I would have to fish Dale Hollis, Tansy Cooper, the Potomac, and the St. Lawrence River. I'd fish those four. Uh, those are the ones that my schedule allows. And that would allow me, if I was to do well, to qualify for the Toyota Championship that way. So those events are definitely on the table. I may fish those. Uh, if we're just going to, I'm not putting those down uh, in concrete on a schedule. But uh, if right. things are going good, if everything's working good, I don't even work on my boat or do anything like that, come back home for any amount of time, I'll just shoot over to each one of those events and hopefully make that Toyota championship. Gotcha. So so you're planning on continuing a high-octane schedule, I guess you might say. That would be, uh, that would put you at uh, 17 events for the year then, not including championships. So. Yeah, man, the more I fish, I feel like the better off I am. I mean, we, we all get just drove whenever we, we, we don't do good at a tournament. And bad tournaments are going to come. But there's nothing worse for me mentally than to have a bad event and have a month before another event. Man, like you know, it just eats it. You know, and I just, for me to flush that and get rid of it, I need to go to another one. You can just get rid of it. Like, just like that. You know, you had a bad one, things didn't go right, let's learn from it. Let's go have a good one, you know, and, and I, I think that that's um, really important for me. So I'm going to try to go to as many of them as I can, man, just to keep getting, you know, keep getting better. That's awesome. We'll be definitely following along. It's time for our uh, listener question segment of the program. This is brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. We've got a question that came through our Facebook page. Corey Henderson, it's actually out of Isabella, Missouri, asks this question. Dakota, if you can answer this question for Corey, how do you find productive channel swings using your grass for winter fishing and what particular features will make it good for bass fishing? Well, with the technology we have now, you know, it's all about the bait, right? So, I mean, you got to find those channel swings with the bait. And I want to find a channel swing, particularly the ones I really like to look at are, okay, like a good channel swing, maybe at the mouth of a, a good spawning pocket, you know. So that's just a natural place for those fish to live in winter and be, you know, big females that pre-spawn there, really. And, um, you know, they, they don't have to go very far. You know, so that's that's a couple things that I'm looking for. You know, for one, the bait, and then two, the proximity to maybe a, a good spawning area, a place they can move up really quick and, and get on a point and feed. You know, type stuff like that. You know, that's that's what I'm going to try to key in on rather than just a random channel swing out in the middle of the lake. You know, miles from the bank. Well, and if if you don't mind, real quick, Dakota, what would be some of the uh, I guess ways that you would break that down? How would you approach kind of targeting those fish and and when you find that bait that you're looking for on that particular channel swing? Well, it depends on a lot of the depth, you know. I mean, uh, you know, we might be fishing a, a little shell swing on the back of a creek and, you know, in the back of a flat, you know, or something like that. And, and so you might only be fishing one in four or five feet because, you know, there's still actually, you know, surprisingly, I think more fish in that depth, you know, five, six feet than, than what most people think, even in the winter. But 
you know, if it's a shallow one like that, I mean, I'm cranking, you know, throwing a jig, throwing a Carolina rig, stuff like that. And the same thing when I'm out deeper, I'm just going to throw a little bit bigger crankbait, but a little bit bigger jig. You know, spinnerbait, A-rig is great this time of year. But with our graph now, it's crazy. Like, you, know, you pull up on channel swing, and, like, they might be suspended there. And you can see that, like, so quickly. Oh, well, I'm pulling an A-rig, you know, or something. You know, and target those fish that are suspended. Or... You know, we're going to throw traditional crankbait or something like that on this fish. And, and uh, that's just kind of what my go-to is, you know, for that type of situation. Well, Dakota, certainly appreciate you tackling that question for Corey. And Corey, there is one more thing that we need from you, and that is to simply log on to the BassEdge.com website. Click that Claim Your Prize tab. Shoot us an email and let us know that you heard Dakota answer your question right here on episode 369 or simply shoot us an email at supportedbassedge.com and we will get the Midway USA gift certificate, free money as we've talked about many times that you can use on all things fishing or certainly all things outdoors through midwayusa.com and you're going to like that as, as they have just about everything for shooting, hunting, fishing and the outdoors. And just a reminder, we got a lot of great questions coming in the instagram and facebook page i appreciate all the listeners sending those in keep firing them in we're going to keep giving away those midway usa gift certificates and uh you can be next so you can either email us those questions support at bassedge.com or keep uh leaving those comments on our facebook and instagram media pages well dakota super cool having you on bass edge radio for this february episode do you have any final i guess thoughts or advice for bass edge listeners as we get ready to close down this segment of the show well man I, like i said i really appreciate y'all having me uh it's been fun and, and I, i'm super excited man looking forward to it i've been you know just extremely thankful for the opportunities and just trying to make the most of them uh, you know my thing is man like we've heard this before from people but you know I, like i said i i don't take for granted not one day like the opportunities that i have and i'm so thankful for it but you know if i'm here today you know i'm kind of living proof that like anybody can do it man uh, you know we didn't come from a lot of money or anything like that man i worked my way up through college and uh you know just you know things fell into place on me but i never took no for an answer i just kept working my butt off and, and i'm glad to be where i'm at and i'm not nearly satisfied yet i want to continue to get better but you know it just shows that man if you work hard at something you can actually get it done it's just all about mindset having the right mindset having the right perspective and uh you know the, the possibilities are endless especially with the resources and the opportunities out there today i mean it's, it, it really is you just gotta look at it from the right perspective yeah dakota you got a great story man i'm super excited for you uh coming up this year i'm gonna be watching you on that score tracker through the 2022 bass pro tour season good luck out there take care Thanks, and uh, safe travels throughout the year y'all there's more to come aaron and i will return right after this message know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything else other than the original and toughest diy keel protector for your boat megaware keel guard grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology megaware keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour providing the longest lasting most dependable keel protection for your boat guaranteed for life developed specifically by boat builders offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. 
The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it. Power how you need it. Power when you need it. Kurt, I'm almost out of breath. What a great show. Dakota, uh, I mean, very interesting. Almost felt like he took a few chapters out of Dr. J. McNamara's book, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, because he's very much into the mental kind of piece of of bass fishing. Yeah, you know, um, some of the answers to the questions we pose kind of surprised me coming from Dakota. I don't know Dakota very well. Fished around him a few times in a couple pro circuit events in the past, and uh, obviously – his experience level over the last three years is uh, second to none, I would say, in any professional angler's career. Nobody's fished more opens, Toyota series, those AAA style events, plus added on six or seven national events per year. And I thought when we proposed some of these questions to him throughout the interview that it would lead a different direction than where he took it, which was really profound to me, quite quite honestly. I loved the fact that he took every question into as more of a, a lifestyle approach rather than something specific or a technique. And and I, I I guess that leads to him, you know, being able to keep an open mind in all things, whether he has a good day of fishing or a bad day of fishing or a tough road trip, you know, maybe a breakdown or whatever might happen happen or maybe just a great road trip and he keeps everything as he mentioned in the interview even keel not too high not too low but really the key to it man he's enjoying the whole dang process you know from friendships to good successes to well and don't you think he has to with that many events i mean it's unlike you know take me i fish my you know 5 to 7 events a year i have a lot of break in between so i can get geared up to go to that next one whereas right somebody like him who is literally one on to the next one to the next one to the next one um, you have to find some solace in that process well, and, and he mentioned that's how he gets out of a potential rut is because he is going to the next one so quickly. The challenge there is how do you make one or two bad events in a row, not four, five, or six bad events in a row? <laughs> yeah. that, that's what's yeah. so impressive about Dakota, and he does not allow himself to get into that issue. I mean he didn't qualify for the Bass Pro Tour with MLF because he was mediocre. I mean, he qualified because he was a top pro circuit angler. So, uh, man, kudos, Dakota. Great interview. Really enjoyed uh, getting to know him a little bit better and and what he brought to all of us as as listeners of Bass Edge Radio in in that perspective. And, And how about the two sonar deal, man? Justin always bringing the goods on the knowledge with the accessories and electronics. And what's your thought on that, Aaron? How do you take into that two live transducer setup? And tell me what you're thoughts are yeah so uh, you know i want to start by how he ended and then i'll I'll recap on your question i I cannot emphasize enough as far as understanding the uh, learning how to use the technology and i was talking with danny smith from garmin and you know he had mentioned he's like the easiest way for people to learn it he's like even if you don't like throwing a umbrella rig alabama rig whatever it is that you want to call it just tie one on and go out there and don't try to catch fish but practice throwing that thing because it's so big you can see it coming through the water how it moves how it reacts where you start picking it up another thing i will tell you which hopefully kurt we can get this on in the coming days 
or coming okay. episodes, I should say, is going to be power because he also, Danny also had mentioned kind of what Justin had alluded to. You know, if you start losing power in your battery systems, your clarity, the interference really starts playing havoc kind of on what you're seeing. Now back to what you said and the reason why I use the power situation because you start adding a second live scope or, or, or forward-facing sonar. You know, I'll be honest with you, Kurt. I have not personally, I haven't seen that too much yet. But I do think, I, I you know, I, I almost feel like we're kind of giving Bass Edge listeners uh, a leading indicator of what's coming, what to yes. look for, kind of breaking news, right? Absolutely. So I, I, I do think it's going to be a player. And, and I think we've got to be prepared for that. I think if you compete, you need to understand that this is coming. And uh, kind of start thinking about, am I willing to do that? Am I willing to go to that expense? Or um, how can I still kind of be out there and uh, have fun and, and still have some success? Your thoughts? Yeah. yeah, the key is make sure if you've got one, make sure you understand how to use the one before you go to using the two. <laughs> so that's right. So that's again, right. just like Justin said, you, you make these investments. You mentioned it as well, Aaron. You know, get out there, learn what the product is, learn if it's for you. Does it help your style of fishing? Some consumers are going to get it, take it back and say, man, I just need a different graph. You know, this just the same my gig. And uh, right. so it's, it's important to understand if it is or if it isn't. And if it is, you know, it's a new approach right. to bass fishing for sure. It's always going to be changing. And speaking of changing, we need to change kind of the channel here and let people actually go out and learn how to do some of the stuff that we've been talking about. Um, But what a great episode, Kurt. Appreciate you, as always, uh, putting together the guests and also the topics that we've had here on the show. And uh, in the meantime, I want to wish everybody uh, a happy two weeks, and hopefully you get the opportunity to uh, kind of elevate your skill to the next level. But until February 15th, for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin, and the rest of the Bass Edge crew want to throw out you know we don't do this a lot Kurt but uh, do want to throw out just kind of kudos and thanks uh, to our other partners which would certainly be uh, Steve Leslie our editor you know Travis Whitener who runs all of the web things like that and uh, anyway without those guys it, uh, it doesn't happen without it does those not guys. happen it does not happen so all right we are out of here have a great couple weeks and we look forward to seeing everyone on February 15th for episode 370 so long everybody is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Midway USA, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Transport Graphics.